Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. We're, of course, in a teaching series called What Does the Bible Say About That? And for those of you who have been around Crossgate for some time know that that's one of the biggest questions that we ask every single week at Crossgate Church. What does the Bible say? Because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what you think. It really doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what God has already said in His Word. And we are getting into some topics over the next several weeks that are right in the middle of where we are as people in our nation and in our world today. Of course, the world has a lot to say about dating and about sex. You've got The Bachelor. And of course, now, probably more important for this congregation, we've got The Golden Bachelor, right? Uh, we've got Farmer Needs a Wife. Have you seen that one? 20 years ago, I could have starred in Preacher Needs a Wife, right? I was on the hunt. Well, you know, the, the, the relevancy of this topic has probably never been more true uh, because there are more single people running around in our nation today than probably ever in our history. For example, did you know this? I saw this statistic just this week. In the 1960s, only 20% of people in their 20s were single. 80% were already married by the time they were in their 20s. Today, only 30% of people in their 20s are married. 70% of the people who are in their 20s are single. Many people are delaying marriage further and further down the line. As a matter of fact, this day and age marks the first time in the history of our nation when the average person will be single for more of their life than they will be married, either on the front side or the back side of marriage, right? Of course, at the end of the day, it's important to ask, what does God say? Because the world, the flesh, and the devil have sold us a bill of goods. The world, the flesh, and the devil have taken dating, and the concept of dating as it has come to be known in our nation today, and, and, and they've taken the, the, the sexuality that God intended for marriage, and they've just said, let's just isolate these things apart from everything else and just enjoy them however we want to, Right? But the Bible says that God has a broader purpose for these things. They're not just to be enjoyed within the isolation of themselves, but they are in God's broader purpose. And that ultimate purpose is this. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, which, by the way, when I read this, you're going to say, what in the world does that have to do with dating and sex? But I'll tell you, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Bottom line up front, here's God's purpose for men and women who come together in marriage. It is to set them on a, on a shining city on a hill that radiates God's glory for His glory and for our good. And there's a place within that bigger picture for this concept of dating and, and sex. But understand this. If that's God's purpose, don't you think the devil would love to derail and wreck everything that has to do with that purpose? Wouldn't you think? That's exactly what's happened. And so as we get into this message today, let's understand the gravity 
of what we're talking about today. Four words. I'm going to give you four words this morning that help us to understand this bigger picture into which dating and sexuality fits within God's bigger purpose. The first word is this, follow, becoming the right person. Now, how many of you have ever heard the statement that goes something like this? It's more important to find the right person than to, than to be the right person. Excuse me. Hopefully you haven't heard that. Hopefully you've heard this. It's, it's more important to be the right person than to find the right person. You ever heard that? You know why you've heard it? Because it's true. It is far more important to be the right person following God as a disciple of Jesus Christ than to necessarily find the right person later on down the road. Because Jesus, listen, Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these other things will be added to you. Or in Crossgate terms, let's put it this way. It's more important to be a growing follower of Jesus who lives and loves like Jesus and leads others to follow him than it is to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, right? It's more important. That's the priority that God has for his people, being the right person and then finding the right person as God brings that person into your life. You say, well, exactly what does that look like? Okay, well, I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. We're not talking about just maybe praying a prayer at some point in time in your life and checking the box on your Christianity without any type of holiness, without any type of affection for God, and a, and a growing and increasing love for Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords in your life, that's what God wants. He wants that kind of devotion. He wants that kind of affection. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, if you're single here, right about now the devil's probably whispering in your ear, don't get too carried away with all this righteousness business. Because if you, if you get too religious, nobody's going to want to have anything to do with you. They're going to write you off as a religious fanatic. You need to lower your standards. And of course, we've known a lot of people who have done that for the sake of pursuing a, a, a man or a woman. Well, I'll, I'll kind of ease back on the throttle on my devotion to Jesus. I will tell you this, and I got this just this week from our uh, Crossgate Bible reading plan. Psalm 35, verse 27 David talked about those who delight in my righteousness. You know, David had a lot of critics. There were a lot of people who were throwing stones at David and a lot of haters out there. But David said, I'm so grateful for those who delighted in my righteousness. That's what you need to think about, about being the right person, following Jesus Christ, finding and being surrounded by the people who delight in your righteousness. I will tell you, not everybody delights in righteousness but when I met my wife and started to get to know her and, her and her depth of godliness, I delighted in her righteousness. As she got to know me and my love for God and my love for Jesus, she delighted in my righteousness, which was really God's righteousness in me and God's righteousness in her. So don't buy into this business that says, well, we got to scale back on our, on our devotion to Jesus because no one will be interested in me. God has his timing. God has his people for his people. But, but Let's think about this. Ask yourself this question. Am I a growing follower of Jesus who lives and loves like Jesus and leads others to follow him? Because if you're single and you're not following Jesus to that degree, you're probably not ready to be in a dating relationship. You, you need to work on you. Or, or should we say God needs to work on you some more, right? 
I, I don't think we do anyone any favors in, in shuffling people into these dating relationships and, and, and marriage unless they have first truly devoted themselves and consecrated themselves to the Lord. So the first word is follow, becoming the right person. Here's the second one, dating is the on-ramp to union. Now, I'm going to flip this entire sermon on its head here by telling you that the Bible says absolutely nothing explicitly about dating. Nothing. Okay. I mean, let's face it, the, the whole concept of dating as we know it today is probably only about 100 years old in, in the scope of world history. And what it has become in the last 30 years is even more removed from what the Bible talks about. So we're going to look for principles this morning. And one of those principles is this, dating is preparing. Write that down. Dating is preparing. Now, what's the most important decision a person could ever make in their, in their entire life? Trusting Jesus Christ, right? Whether you reject Jesus or trust Jesus, that's the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life. The second most important decision is this, who will you marry? Because so much is riding on that decision, it's that important. Now, if, if the question of who we're going to get married to is so important, don't you think we ought to prepare to make a wise decision? I mean, Super Bowl this afternoon, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, how is he preparing to play quarterback in the Super Bowl? By swinging a baseball bat? Brock Purdy, quarterback for the Super Bowl. How is he preparing for the Super Bowl? By throwing a bowling ball? No, these guys are preparing for what they actually are going to be doing. So how is the world's version of dating preparing anybody to, to have a lasting commitment that's blessed by God? I mean, the world says dating is casual. It's frequent with different people. Variety. We love variety. Oftentimes sexually charged with this person and then this person and then this person. How is that setting anyone up to, to finish well, to, to live well, to finish well, to be married well? You know, on the flip side, I would encourage you, if you are a parent here, uh, if you are a student if you're single in any capacity, and by the way, we have more, more single people who are over the age of 30, over the age of 40 in the United States than ever before. Read this book, Jonathan Pakluda's book, Outdated. I would encourage you to check out this resource. It is a tremendous, tremendous book, probably one of the best voices on the topic of dating, sexuality in, in our world today. Listen to what he says in this book, Outdated about dating. Have you ever noticed that the world has gotten better and better at dating with apps and technology and social media and snaps and swiping left and right and left and right? Better at dating, but worse and worse at marriage. Why? Because we're not preparing. We are not preparing. Again, the world is not setting anyone up for success. Mom, dad, were you discipled in this area of dating in terms of what the Bible says? Or was there more of a haphazard experience in your life? Well, probably, if you weren't discipled, then you probably haven't discipled your students uh, on, on, on this matter as well. And, and Lord knows, God knows, we, we need to disciple. You know, the first service, we had all of our students sitting over here in this section uh, from Disciple Now Weekend. And, of course, a lot of people assume, well, yes, it's all about dating and sex. So you preach at the students this Sunday, Pastor. We'll just, we'll tune out. Hey, this is for everybody. But let me say something to the parents. Okay, parents, you talk about the importance of being the right person and then finding the right person. It is perfectly okay for you to tell your 
15, 16-year-old, whatever child it is, you're not ready to date. You need to work on you. You need to work on being the right person. Pastor Phil, you mean to tell me that, 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 I, may, that I may need to tell my 16-year-old daughter or son that they don't need to be dating, that they just need to work on themselves? If I do that, they won't be happy with me. That's okay, folks. Your main job is not to make your child happy. Hello. Your main job is to make your child and help them to be shepherded to Jesus Christ with holiness and love for other people and to become growing followers of Jesus. And sometimes, yes, that means that you step in as the parent because you're still the parent. You step in and say, you're not ready to date. This is not a good time for you to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Let's just kind of work on you. That's, that's, that's dating is preparing. Here's another thing. Dating should be called vetting because that's really what you're doing. I mean, d- dating, if, if, if we're dating at all, is, is, is to be on the lookout and prayerfully on the lookout and sensitive to the Holy Spirit in terms of who God is going to bring into this person's life, this, this, this young man or young woman's life as, as, as God's partner for them. So we're vetting in a sense. We're on the lookout. Well, what are we looking for? I mean, that, isn't that a good question? What are we looking for? Guys, I mean, I think we all know we're wired visually. That's why men are so attracted to these airbrushed, almost cartoonish, beautiful women in this world today because we're attracted to what we see. But guys, you need to hear me and hear me very carefully on this. Beauty is only skin deep. Ugly goes all the way to the bone. Did you know that? Listen, there are some beautiful women out there outwardly who are just as ugly and as rotten on the inside as they could possibly be. Don't get so attracted by what you see. Listen to the Word of God. Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I'm telling you, as I got to know my wife better, and I've known her even better over the course of the last 20-plus years, I rejoice, I delight in her righteousness. She grows in beauty, and she rejoices and delights in in, in whatever spiritual growth I'm experiencing as well. I'm telling you, charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, ladies, I'll be honest. We so oftentimes throw Proverbs 31 at you. Be like, all right, ladies, up your game. Come on, raise your bar, raise your standard. Proverbs 31. We never point the guys to where they need to be. I'll tell you where that is. Chapter is Job 29. Go read Job 29 sometime. Talks about a man who walks in the light. Talks about a man who's full of integrity. A man who has compassion for the helpless. And and all of these things. Godly wisdom. That's what you should be looking for. But ladies, I just want to give you a warning. When you see a man and you're somehow attracted to a man, but he is less than spiritually or otherwise, don't get it in your head, I can change him, right? You ever seen that? I've seen it. I've seen it. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a hundred times. In fact, just as a little tongue-in-cheek, I saw this this week. Uh, I saw a picture. This little picture has a nasty room with dirty mattresses piled up, and it said this, y'all just had the most amazing date, Vibes are everything, wine to dine. This is the one. They invite you home to their room to cuddle, and you see this. What do you do? And there's some women out there who would see that filth and that trash and say, I can change him. I'm telling you, 
That's exactly, God has given women, and praise God for this, a, mur- a nurturing, a caregiving uh, d- dimension. And, and I'm so grateful for it. But sometimes th- that becomes warped, and, and a woman says, well, this, yes, this guy, he's, you know, man, he's an alcoholic, and he has this problem, and he has that problem, and all this, but I can change him. Don't go down that road, ladies. Find a man, go read Job 29, find a man who is setting the pace spiritually. Now, speaking of the one, that question always comes up. What about the one? Isn't there just like one person out there for me? Well, that, that's kind of what the what, what sentimentality says, I guess. The one. You know, out of eight billion people on the earth, there's this one person, and God has appointed me to find that person like a needle in a haystack. But I, don't, I just don't see that in the Bible. What I see in the Scripture is the fact that there's probably a number of people who would make an excellent husband or an excellent wife for any given person. Yes, godliness, compatibility with personality, and other things along those lines, but there's any number of people. But yes, ultimately, there will be one person. That's, that's God's design, but it's not the one, as if nobody else could possibly fill that role. And here's one other thing. Because we are talking about the fact that there's more single people in the United States now than ever, uh, what about that? What about singleness? Pastor Phil, someone told me once that singleness is a gift. And I'll be honest, I'd like to return the gift. I got the receipt. I want to return the gift. I don't want to be single. Okay, let me, let me give you a word. Because I was, you know, I, wasn't, I was 26 years old when my wife and I got together. I was 27 when we got married. And so throughout my time in the Marines and college and seminary, uh, you know, the, my dating verse was 1 Peter 5, 6. Write that verse down. 1 Peter 5, 6, you may be single or you want to encourage someone who is single and they, they just, they want God's, God's person for them. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he'll lift you up in due time. He will lift you up in due time. Uh, as a matter of fact, on the inside of our wedding rings, we have uh, the words in due time from 1 Peter 5, 6. Uh, we waited uh, for the Lord's best, and, and in his good time, in his due time, he delivered that for my wife and myself. Now, that's talking about dating. Now let's get to the, the juicy part of it. Let's talk about sex, okay? The third thing is union, context for intimacy. Now, there's no doubt about it in my mind, or certainly anyone who takes the Bible seriously, that God's context for physical intimacy is one man and one woman married together in unified commitment. That is the context. And that's why I've told you before, and, I, and I'll never get tired of saying it. By the way, I think this is the one thing I say that y'all, that y'all enjoy more than anything else because you keep repeating it back to me, okay? Sex is like a fire, and I say, let's throw another log on the fire, amen? Man, y'all better wake up. The, the 930 service are hooping and hollering and, I mean, jumping up and down and dancing. <laughs> Listen, sex is exactly like a fire. Get the metaphor. I want to throw another log on the fire because it's a blessing from God. But let me tell you something. You don't just set fires indiscriminately all over your house, do you? Bookshelf, coffee table, garage, wherever. Why? Because it'll burn your house down. There's a place for it, a fireplace. And when that fire is, is kindled and burning in that fireplace, it provides heat, it provides light, it provides an opportunity to cook and prepare food, all of which are blessings as long as the fire stays in the fireplace. Same thing when you go camping. 
You don't just set fires all over the woods randomly. You create a space for it and you clear off some space and put a ring of stones there and, and then you let the fire burn again to give you blessedness in the woods. You don't want to burn your house down. You don't want to burn the woods down. Sadly, because our world is no longer living according to God's word, we've got lives and houses and families and woods smoldering because fire has been rampantly ravaging the world because it has not been kept in the safe place that God designed and enjoyed in that context. What are, okay, so what are some of the ways that, that we see this fallout taking place when, when, when the fire gets out of that context? Well, first of all, there's emotional wreckage. So last Sunday, we, we asked the question, what does the Bible say about gambling? And we talked about the fact that gambling is kind of a unique addiction because there's this dopamine that, that just is rushing through your body, and you have this idea that, well, I can, I can work my way out of this. I can chase my losses and, and, and recoup all my losses, right? This dopamine is just running through your brain, running through your body. Well, there's another uh, neurotransmitter in the body called oxytocin, and oxytocin has been known as the love hormone, or some people call it the cuddle chemical, because when oxytocin is flowing in your body, there is a bond, there is a committed bond emotionally to the person with whom you are sharing that, that bond. Uh, oxytocin, by the way, is flowing through the, through the body of a, of a mother who's nursing, who's breastfeeding her baby. That's why there's this, this incredible bond that takes place, right? This emotional connection between a mother and a newborn. The same thing is happening in many ways with people who are sexually engaged with one another. The oxytocin is flowing, and there's a bond. But what happens when, when you bond with this person? Then you bond with this person. Then you bond with this person. Then you bond with this person. It's emotional wreckage. The Bible points this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to this. Do you not know that our bodies are members of Christ? Shall then I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? These guys were going out and, and getting engaged with these prostitutes. Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Now, it's bad enough to say, don't get it on with a prostitute, but then he quotes the Bible. Listen to this. For it is as written, the two will become one flesh, flee from sexual immorality. There is a union that takes place. I don't care whether you're officially married and you've been out of the courthouse or not. There is a union between someone who, someone of these, what's your name again, one night stands. You, you know, you have this engagement with this woman or this man, and then you're like, I don't even know the person's name. And yet the oxytocin has already bound you to that person in many ways. There, there is an emotional wreckage when we allow ourselves to become connected sexually with someone other than our husband or our wife, either before you get married, while you're married with someone else, or what have you. Here's another thing, relational instability. So the facts are in, and the facts tell us that the more sexual partners a person has before they get married, the harder it will be for them to make and maintain a commitment while they are married right? I mean, why? Well, isn't the answer obvious? You're training your brain for variety, and then you get married with this one person that you're supposed to be with and nobody else, right? Variety and then exclusivity. Again, you're not preparing yourself for this, for this context of commitment, right? Uh, someone once said, they said, you know, if, if someone is willing 
to have sex with someone else before they get married, what they're basically saying is, I don't believe sex is just for marriage. Well, do you want to be married to somebody like that? Because who's to say they're not going to continue to believe that even when they're married to you? Right? But see, the devil has thrown all kinds of curveballs at people, trying to take us away from the truth of God's Word. You say, okay, well, well, Pastor Phil, you've already said that dating is vetting, and we need to be absolutely certain that this is the right person, so wouldn't it make sense that you would like move in together and live together? The, the fancy word for that is cohabitation, but you old-timers know it better as shacking up, right? Shacking up. Wouldn't it make sense? Well, you know what? On the surface, maybe it might make sense, except what you find out is that the people who live together and then get married have a much higher divorce rate. I'm not saying that everyone who cohabitates is going to get divorced when they get married. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is statistics have shown you have a much higher divorce rate. Why? Because you're warping the concept of marriage. You're kind of playing like you're married, but you're not really married. You haven't truly committed yourselves to one another. Right? So there's this, this instability that comes when we don't go about God's way and with God's purpose in mind. And let's just, let's just go ahead and point this out also. Uh, the physical disease is still out there. It's not like we've eradicated sexually transmitted diseases. Incidentally, just two weeks ago, I read this in CNN. Syphilis cases continue to surge in the U.S. More than 2.5 million cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis were reported in the United States in 2022 as the country's epidemic of sexually transmitted infections continues to grow. Chlamydia cases held steady, and reported cases of gonorrhea decreased in 2022. But syphilis cases continued to climb to the highest level in decades, with a 17% jump in one year. I read in one article where a doctor who was in his 60s now said, I had not seen a case of syphilis in the hospital since I was an intern resident 40 years ago. I mean, now he said, now I see it all over the place, right? So again, we, you, you let the fire get out of the fireplace. I mean, it doesn't end well emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's not God's plan. That doesn't take you to God's high ground. By the way, let me, let me say this. Um, just, just to be absolutely clear, dating is not marriage. Okay? Dating is not marriage, and therefore, if you're dating someone, there shouldn't be this sexual connection. God says it, it shouldn't exist. It's not where it needs to be. Um, so therefore, dating people oftentimes ask me, they'll say, okay, well then, how about this, Pastor? How far can we go before we're not living like we should? How, how far can we go? You know, most of the time, not always, but most of the time when someone asks that question, I would tell you the motivation is not honest. Because all they want to do is they want to have as much fun and get their jollies and not somehow fall over the edge into the canyon. But, but, but the fact is that, that, there's, that God has set up guardrails. And they're, and they're not nearly as far down the road as we think they are, or we hope they are. Uh, again, Jonathan Pakluda said this. He said, and I, this is a great practical way of, of just kind of answering the question. He said, when you feel your body preparing itself for sexual activity, you've gone too far. Now, I'm not going to take the time to explain all that to you, okay, but I'm just telling you. When, I love what he said. When you, when you feel your body, you're out on a date, whatever, you know, 
if you feel your body repairing itself for sexual activity, you've gone too far. Okay? You've gone too far. And by the way, we said this earlier, there are more single people over the age of 30 now than ever. So there's a lot more people dating who are older than 30. Let me say a word to, the, to that demographic. Okay? If you're dating, but you're not married, you don't go off on getaways together. Okay? You don't go off to Branson together. You don't go to, you know, Petty Jean State Park and stay overnight together. You don't, you don't stay at each other's houses. You're not married. Just because your parents are no longer with us or, or they're not watching you and spying on you doesn't mean that it's right. It's huge. It's, it's, it's so important to understand that. Now, let me say one other thing since we're on this topic. Um, I do not believe the Bible supports long engagements. Okay? You might think that is so random. It's like, how in the world did he come up with that? I will tell you, I do not believe the Bible supports long engagements. You know, you, you hear somebody, man, we got engaged. Congratulations. When are you getting married? Oh, about 18 months from now. What? It's like, I mean, God told you this is the person you're supposed to marry, right? Yes. Well, how many times does he have to tell you to marry this person before you do it? Here's, here's why, okay? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, it is better to marry than to burn, meaning to burn with, with lust. Even my father-in-law, who's a man of God, when Shara and I got engaged, he said, why live in lust, right? Now, I understand this about me. So we got, we got engaged when I was 26. We got married when I was 27. Uh, we, she was 20 years old at the time. She's a little bit younger than me. Uh, but but uh, all that to say, up until that time, we had our first date in January, got engaged in March, married in August. So we kind of fast-tracked the thing, okay, just by God's grace. But up until the time Shara and I got together, and I, I got saved when I was 17, I had never been with a woman sexually, okay? And by God's grace, he allowed me to maintain the high ground. Let me tell you something. When I put that engagement ring on her finger, man, I, everything changed. I felt like a rocket on the launch pad. Right? I mean, I was ready to blast off. And, and, pe and people say, and people, listen, I'm, yes, it's funny, but I'm, I'm dead serious. People say, so you, your first date was January, you got engaged in March, and you got married in August. Would you have changed anything? I said, yes. Knowing what I know now, we would have gotten married in April. Okay? <laughs> Honest. The reason being is because the Bible says, this is not Phil Kramer. The Bible says it is better to marry than, than to burn. Okay, so I, just, I personally counsel couples, you don't need a long engagement because that's just more time to be tempted to sin. Just If God's told you to marry this person, just get married. Yeah, but we need to wait a while so we can have a whatever ceremony or we got to take care of this. Just get married. It's better to marry than to burn. Now, last thing. Last word, glory, it's all about God. Remember how I said, this is not just dating in isolation or, or sex in isolation. It's part of God's purpose. It's part of God's design. And not only does Matthew chapter 5 tell us that he wants to set us up as a shining city on a hill, listen to Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The picture of a man and a woman united in godliness 
is meant to remind people and to be a picture of Jesus Christ and the church. No wonder the devil wants to aim all the artillery of hell against marriage today. Anything that's a picture of Jesus in the church is, is bad news for him. But here's something you need to understand about God's glory. It is to God's glory to redeem men and women from their sin. And as we live in a world where fewer and fewer people have even heard what I'm talking about this morning, right? I mean, the, the, the chances are, are increasing every day that someone could be born into a home with no Bible, no God, no nothing, no church, and grow up throughout their, their student and teenage years, go into their college years, 20s and 30s, and never hear about something like that. We will have more and more of those people coming into our sphere of influence as a church. So what do we do? Do we just tell them the truth and say, well, this is the truth. You've messed up. End of discussion. No. See, at Crossgate Church, we absolutely want to ask, what does the Bible say? And we want to speak the truth. But at the same time, we want to speak the truth in love. And if you're here today, maybe you're here and you're hearing what I'm saying and you're saying, you know what, I agree with that, but man, I've really messed it up. And I, I just, that has not been my story, Pastor. That has not been my story. Let me give you one of my favorite verses in the, in the entire Bible. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. That, that's, that's how God's grace works. Because of Jesus Christ on this earth, it's never too late to do the right thing. Isn't that good news? It is never, ever, ever, ever on this earth too late to do the right thing. And finally, let me give you Romans chapter 5. Why do you say all that, Pastor? Here you go. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm so grateful for, for God's amazing grace. I'm so grateful for the goodness of God that says, you know what? There is a better way. And if you have not been living according to this book, it's never too late to say, God, I need you in my life. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my family. And to take that next step, we always ask at Crossgate Church, what's your next step? Well, for many people, their first step could be to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. Because all of what I'm talking about today wouldn't make sense anyway if you're not following Jesus. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Do you, do you, have you come to that point in your spiritual life where if you were to die today, that, that you know exactly where you would go, that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? If not, you could simply trust Christ by saying something along these lines, not by using my words, but just as an example. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I can't, I can't save myself. Jesus, I do believe that you died on the cross for my sins, for my sins, Jesus, I believe you rose again bodily and physically from the grave. And Jesus, I, I, I want to receive you as my Savior and my Lord by faith. That's your first step. But friends, whoever you are today, I would encourage you to continue to ask the question, what does the Bible say? And ask God to work in and through you to bring your life in alignment with the truth. 
We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.